The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Desmond fakes a handoff right to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! Desmond Ritter flying! 40 yards, 20, 25, the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it, 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius, diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama, bounces it for Lockett, fires ahead to Adams Woods, DeJulius for three, good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight, it is a nip at night, knockout! And the fans are beginning to charge the field here at Nippert Stadium. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. This is a bonus episode, and I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats week in and week out. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, at Viva La Cats Pod, and follow us on Spotify or Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check us out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date unique tracker info from Steve. So... We're going to jump right into the sort of chaos that happened this weekend. Um, up in the state of Michigan, OSU, uh, they unraveled their whole season. And Jim Harbaugh managed to get his first win against the Buckeyes, which benefits the Bearcats in many ways. Um, we don't usually open talking about any team other than the Bearcats, but this one is... Uh, a bit out of the ordinary. It's not often that Michigan is able to pull one over on OSU, but they did it in a time where I guess we could use it. Um, but I'm curious, Steve, after going through what happened yesterday, um, there's a couple other things we'll cover as well. What were your initial reactions seeing uh, OSU slip up so badly to Michigan and much less Michigan winning uh, 42 to uh, 17, I believe it was 27, sorry, 42 to 27. So first of all, I just want to give a shout out to all the Michigan fans who have been struggling through the last 10 years. It's been a little bit rough for them, but I'm happy for them. They finally got a win over their hated arch rival and it made that game a lot more fun. Um, and like the, post-game press conference, like, you know, just running up the score on them a little bit. Uh, it made it a lot more fun be a Michigan fan in this rivalry against Ohio State so good for them I know as a fan of teams that have been bad for a while at at certain points it sucks to see your team lose especially to your hated rival uh we're recording this on the day that the Bengals play the Steelers and uh watching the Bengals lose to the Steelers just hurts me a little bit so if it's any way similar to how Michigan fans felt for years when they would lose to Ohio State I understand the pain so good for them 
Number two, Ohio State just got bullied by Michigan yesterday. Like, Michigan just ran the ball right down their throat. Ohio State didn't stop it once. Not not once, not ever. Uh, so that was that was fun to see, fun to watch as a Ohio State hater. And three, I think you got to really love the Bearcats' chances if they get into a playoff game because now um, I'm just worried a little bit about Ohio State because they have three great receivers and we've got two really good, even great corners. Our third option might not be the best option. So worried about that a little bit but if they're out of the picture now the path becomes a little bit more clear for uc and i think we have a shot really against all these teams we uh, that might be in possible playoff scenarios so i think if you're a bearcats fan you gotta be happy with the result i know a lot of people wanted to play ohio state i would have loved to talk trash to ohio state fans and especially if we win i had a lot of tweets saved in the bookmarks but uh, it would be even funnier if we beat Michigan, their hated rival, something that they couldn't <laughs> do this year. So, but shout out to Ryan Day. He and Luke Fickle are in uh, rarefied air now. They're the last two coaches to lose to Michigan at Ohio State. So, on you guys. Yeah, and I think I think you make a good point there too. That um, you know, it's not often that the Buckeyes lose to the Wolverines. It's it's a very rare situation in the past 20 years and i think it just goes to show how big of a shakeup this is um especially considering that you know osu's a two and michigan's a five um which we are going to go into a little bit and trying to figure out exactly what this top four is going to look like this week because on top of the ohio state michigan game um we also had a tight one in the iron bowl uh where auburn Almost pulled a fast one on Alabama, um, and I I would have to say that the only reason that Auburn did not win that game is because their QB was pretty clearly injured. Um, it's, it's it's a shame because just imagine how much more chaotic it would be if now we not only have Clemson, a regular who's out of the picture, we now have Ohio State, a regular who's out of the picture, but then also have Alabama out of the picture that would be quite a different landscape than we're used to. Um, and that would be, you're, you're talking, you could see three new fresh faces in the CFP top four um, and in the playoffs. So I thought that, honestly, I did not see anything, um, anything really good out of that game for Alabama. And I, considering the shakeup that they had this week with OSU and Michigan, I'm really wondering how we're going to restructure that top four because now I don't think Alabama should be moving up with an OSU loss. And I think everybody can agree with that. A four overtime win. And the only reason that you won is because the Auburn QB is injured. It just, it doesn't make sense to move Alabama up. And honestly, I think everybody kind of has the idea that Michigan and OSU are going to trade places. OSU will probably drop a few more spots. Um, Considering they lost on the road to a, you know, number five team, I don't see OSU dropping more than probably out of like seventh, um, maybe eighth, uh, because that, you know, to the CFP is quote unquote a quality loss. But uh, regardless, I, I think we see Georgia in one, Michigan in two, um, and then Alabama, Cincy, that's, I, I would love to argue that we could make the point that 
you know, we should be in that three spot and Alabama should slip back. But again, then we'd kind of be fighting our own battle or fighting against our own battle, which is, you know, sort of the win to win regardless, um, which we've kind of had to rely on a bit this season. So I'm curious what you think. What do you, what do you see that top four as being this week? Um, so I would agree with you. I think it'll be Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and UC with the uh, next two out being uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, well, maybe Oklahoma State would jump up to six. Um, yeah. I don't know how far they would jump up for beating number 10, Oklahoma, um, because number 10, Oklahoma, will probably drop some more. So, and I think, I think that would set up it would be kind of crazy to see Ohio State fall all the way to seven from two, but they really did not play that well, and they weren't deserving of staying close enough. So I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if somehow the committee moved up uh, Alabama after that, just because I think it's crazy that they are going to get credit for beating a six-loss Auburn team in four overtimes. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm already seeing people give them credit and. It's just, I don't know. We get uh, shit on for toying with our food, but when they toy with their food, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, great SEC win. Like, shut up. Come on now. Yeah. So I, but I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma State was over Ohio State and Oklahoma State is number six uh, on the outside looking in. Yeah. And, and another thing too, which, I'm going to point out here because I found that interesting is Baylor's also sitting at number eight right now and they just beat Texas tech, um, which, you know, isn't necessarily going to be any kind of headline game. It's a six and six Texas tech, but regardless they're 10 and two. Um, and I'd have to look at how the divisions play out in the big 12. I'm not quite sure you might have a better idea here, but I would think that we're going to look at OK state versus Baylor. Correct. So there is no divisions in the Big 12. It's just the best two oh. records and then tiebreakers. So it's Oklahoma State gotcha. and Baylor, yes. Okay. So regardless, that sets up an interesting storyline too because now we're looking at a Big 12 who, you know, if you, if you have OK State, would be going in with uh, one loss and you have Baylor who'd be going in with two. Um, so whoever comes out of that game you know, assuming in this regard, I would think that it would be OK State, they're going to be a one-loss team as well and a one-loss Big 12 champion. The real question is, how much credit is the committee going to give to a one-loss Big 12 champion? Um, because it seems... And I'm... I'm Honestly, really surprised moved in everything else and how we played against certain opponents. Uh, of course, with the Notre Dame win, sets us up in the right spot. But I'm really kind of surprised. That OK State, you know, what the Big 12 has been and how they seem to favor that. And of course, Oklahoma is their perennial choice. But now we're looking at them being out of the picture. And so... Who beat them? You have OK State in that exact same spot, but they're still pretty far out. And that's where, you know, that six or seven slot, um, 
I'm wondering what's going to happen this week because then you're going to have a top 10 matchup in Baylor and OK State as well for the Big 12 champion. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about them. Do you, do you feel the same way or do you think that the Big 12 is pretty much out of the picture? Um, so the thing that doesn't concern me about Oklahoma State is here's they're out of conference. Missouri State, Tulsa, Boise State. And uh, Boise State is not great this year, seven and five. Uh, Tulsa, six and six. They just won yesterday, going to a bowl. Uh, Missouri State is one of the better teams in FCS. But that's not really a murderer's row, I'd say, of, you know, out of conference teams. And they definitely played well against their schedule. And, uh, but you could argue that Baylor is a better team than when they played against Oklahoma State. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like their defense has gotten better throughout the year. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to say that Oklahoma State get beat by Baylor and just render this whole argument uh, incomplete. It's true. I think, uh, and like, you know, Oklahoma State kind of pissed down their leg a couple times last night. They did not look that great. And, you know, when they like muffed that punt, they they looked great for the first half. And then third quarter, they kind of, you know, they got, got that safety, they muffed that punt, but... Defense played a lot better, and that was the only points they, they gave up was those two defensive scores. Oklahoma's offense did not score in the second half. So yeah, it's, it, now it's a thing where that's a rivalry game and crazy stuff happens. Uh, but I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma State got left out if they won just because I still think we have a better win than them. Like, and I now agree. they're going to cite – we have more top 10 wins or more top 25 wins than us. And they would definitely beat us in that scenario. But um, I think that one loss really hurts them. And uh, it was a Iowa state team who has proven to not be, it went seven and five this year. They're good, but not great. Uh, And it was on the road. So three point loss on the road. So they could argue with their way out of that. But I think at this point, us without a loss looks a lot better to Oklahoma State with a good Big Twelve uh, schedule and you know wins, but they can't avenge that loss to uh, Iowa State because they're not playing Iowa State in the final. They're playing Baylor, so I right. don't. You now, if they could always just say P five champ gets in, but you know what would be great though if Oklahoma State won, the Big Twelve got left out. You know how quickly expansion would be agreed upon for uh, yeah. the, the Power Five champs yeah. and the Group of Five champ. So I think either way, if UC gets left out or if Oklahoma State gets left out, I mean, all of these scenarios are great for UC as long as they take care of business and win on Saturday. One, right. uh, best scenario, we're in the playoff. Second best scenario, we get to complain about not being in the playoff. A uh, uh, third best scenario: we're in the playoff. Oklahoma State, our future conferences, is not in the playoff. Then the the powers that be rise up and officially ratify expansion. And be like, okay, we can't right. be doing this anymore. We let, uh, and then if like Notre Dame somehow gets in, we're like, okay, we let a group of five team and an independent team get in this year, and uh, only the SEC and Big uh, Big Ten teams got in. So we need to change right. this shit. So uh, I think playing with house money right now as long mm-hmm. as we take care of business yeah absolutely and it's it's definitely it's definitely good to know that we're sort of in we're we're 
we're not necessarily in the driver's seat right now, but we're in the passenger seat. We're in the front of the car. You know, we we have we have some ability to change some direction here, and it's we are mainly in control of our own destiny. But again, kind of like you said, the powers that be have to make those decisions, and um, I am very hopeful that with another top twenty-five win against Houston um, in that championship game, crossing our fingers that everything goes right for that game. Um, I'm hopeful that they'll just see the resume, see undefeated. And I really don't think they can say, you know, with multiple ranked wins, um, that a 13 and O team should be denied the playoff. I think that's honestly ridiculous. And I don't see how anybody could say that it, it's just, it's stupid. It really is. Um, kind of to segue here, uh, speaking of undefeated, there are now only two undefeated teams in the country, which are Georgia and Cincinnati. UTSA dropped one this week, uh, which is unfortunate for the Meeps, but, you know, it's another chaotic weekend of college football, and that's what happens. Um, so with that, the Bearcats are now 12-0. and They defeated ECU on the road. Um, honestly, I... I think that we looked I think that we looked good in this game. Like it's it was a 35-13 win. Um we came out a little rough. It was uh a three-score opening uh opening quarter, but then the Bearcats resounded quickly uh with a 21 score to nothing uh in the second there and then after the half I think that game was pretty much in the Bearcats control. So um I think we played well enough, but uh, I'm curious, give me your quick breakdown. What were the things you liked from this game? Okay. Uh, things I liked. Offense looked a lot more competitive this week uh, and last week uh, other than previous weeks. Um, they didn't let a tough environment and a tough first couple drives slow them down uh, because I think East Carolina came to play. They're going to be another good team uh, in a couple of years if their coach, as long as their coach stays and they keep you know on their trajectory, they're going to be a good team in the American uh, and they're going to yeah. be a tough place. I, I'm a kind of a closet uh, East Carolina fan because I went there in 2015 and they have like a, I like pirates, Justin. I don't know if you know that about me and they have a couple of cool traditions. Like they have a guy uh, dressed up like Jack Sparrow who comes out with like a, a real sword and like leads the team onto the field while purple haze is playing. And there's like purple smoke. Ah, okay. That's cool. And then, uh, their first down thing, the guy says, uh, where is a first down? And the crowd shouts back, Pirates. And then he says, uh. Arg at the end of it, which <laughs> is just great. And at the third quarter, uh, between the third and fourth quarter, they lower the American flag that's on their flagpole on their field and raise uh, and raise a red uh, pirate flag that says no quarter on it, which is basically take no prisoners, you know, rah, rah, rah. So, I don't know. I just thought that was fun, and uh, I, yeah. I I enjoy that atmosphere. It was great. So, uh, like we've talked about before in football and basketball, Greenville has never been an easy place to play for yeah. Bearcat teams. Uh, we have never really lived up to expectations because ECU has generally not been good in either sport um, recently, and we should be playing a lot better against them because we're a better team than them. But I think this win just proved that the the amount of like poise and confidence and calm in these seniors and in on this team is amazing. And a lot of teams in multiple road games this year that UC played, they could have, you know, quit. They could have got worried. Like 
UC was down 14 nothing at Indiana. UC was down uh, nine to nine to two, like seven to nine to three at Tulane or whatever it was. UC was down seven nothing at Navy. There have been times this year where they have like been behind the eight ball, like at the yeah. start of that USF game too. And I'm yeah. just so impressed with this team for how calm they are. They're just so cool under pressure. And that second quarter was awesome. And the second quarter really should have been 28 to three. Uh, if Jerome Ford yeah. doesn't fumble there, unfortunate hit with the helmet right on the ball. You can argue about that all you want, but I mean, I think that's just kind of how football goes. Like, Helmet on the ball is what they're teaching now to punch that ball out, and right. because the, the people are the running backs are getting a lot better at holding them on the ball. Right. Only things I didn't like was that uh, defense had to go out uh, quickly after Sauce Gardner uh, scooped and scored on a, a uh, Arquan Bush's blocked field goal. Another instance of UC trying to get other coaches play calling better by saying no don't kick a field goal when you're down by multiple possessions in the fourth quarter go for it because we're gonna block your shit <laughs> so that was <laughs> i enjoyed that uh but the only other thing too was that uh, so the defense when they retired they gave up that those points uh which well uh you, you had to think ec wasn't going to get left off the board all day um and then Des had a couple bad interceptions. One was a tip play, which ended up you know, getting saved before it hit the ground. The one in the end zone, I never saw the all 22, but I don't know what he was looking at. And it was not good. <laughs> um, he just from, just from the TV replay, it looked like he was just threw it straight to the ECU guy in the end zone. So yeah. Um, Otherwise, though, a good game for him. He played well. That third and 12 play where he uh, got flushed from the pocket, scrambled left, and then scrambled right and found uh, Jaden Thompson uh, like on the on the sideline for like a 30-yard pickup yeah. was one of the best plays I've ever seen him make. And it just shows his progression as a quarterback because people on the timeline were talking about how in 18 and 19, uh, that Des just tries to scramble and make the first down out of that play instead of, uh, you know, just – waiting and looking for options to develop. And maybe in the Big 12, where defenses might be a little bit better than East Carolina's, that doesn't happen. But he's making plays, making adjustments, able to you know, make something happen when it's flushed. Because you know, UC was up 21-3 to at that point, and they were, they were driving again because they got the ball to start the second half. But they, like... I mean, they, they could have gotten had to punt there, and then I think they ended up scoring again on that drive. I, I don't exactly – no, no, they didn't they, – they wouldn't have scored because yeah. they, they didn't score again until sauce. But that was just an awesome play to make. Overall, I think it was a good win. I didn't like when uh, Jesse Palmer on College Football Final last night said that uh, UC did not look impressive and needed style points, and obviously garbage time touchdown at the end, but – Right. Uh, East Carolina scored one touchdown all day, and they got six points off field goals. I'll agree that the turnovers were bad, and we could have made it look a lot worse. Um, but I think that just shows you, even with all the things, all the self-inflicted errors we made, we still went out and put up 35 points. And I, I, the only, the only other thing I didn't like was that we seem to be uh, doing this run the ball up the middle on the first play of every drive thing a bunch. Yeah. And uh, some of the 
some of the analytics people in UC Twitter uh, noticed that it's up to about a 60% call rate, uh, a first down run up the middle, and the success rate of three <laughs> yards or more is 22%. So, yeah. And Brock, man, you're not going to win the Broyles Award if you're, <laughs> if you're doing that. So yeah. I would like to see more first down passes or more first down boundary plays because now I think people know it's coming, you know? And I, I think if you try to split the safeties on the first play and then run the ball on second and 10, you know, Jerome, as long as you give him a hole and make the defense get uh, off tempo and they don't know what's coming – have a chance at least to run run the ball and i just was frustrated by that play calling frustrated by uh, desmond like throwing a pick but baseline i was as happy as luke fickle jumping onto the rafters in the ecu locker room again uh, reprising his role uh from the 2019 (laughs) game which uh we we were the first to market on that video because it was sent to us uh, to the Barstool account by a player yeah. in the locker room. So that was a that was a great video for us. We enjoyed that a lot, uh, and I'm happy that we kind of started that. So yeah, uh, it was awesome to see great win. Uh, the nerves were taken out of it by the second quarter. So yep. I think that's all you can ask for. Absolutely, and I, if there's one key thing that I wanted to like touch on here it really comes back to special teams in this game because special teams has looked a little um not as prevalent i think as they have in the past few years um but ultimately you know i think we still have a big question mark on the kicking game um and and that's not necessarily as much as a positive i i still just don't feel confident in that um obviously i think we don't either there wasn't a single field goal in this game i don't even know if we had a single do we even have a single field goal attempt in this game? Uh, no, we uh, no. attempted one in the first quarter and we missed it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so they, they switched to Lowry and he made all the extra points. And I think as long as we're thirty-five yards and under, we're gonna we're gonna uh, go for it. Uh, thirty-five right. yards and over, we're gonna go for it between the thirty-five and forty-five on the other side of the field because, right, uh, that's just been a frustration point of ours is that the kicking game has really not been there. Yeah, and and. It, the to the other side of the eight ball there, uh, defensively with special teams, Arquan Bush managed to snag it again this week. Uh, that's two weeks in a row where he's managed to get a blocked field goal, and that ended up giving uh, Sauce the opportunity. Which quick awareness, I feel like that was definitely drawn up. I don't think that there was a like. <laughs> there's no way that ball just happens. It, he got a nice bounce off of the block, but. Like Sauce looked like he was ready. If you watch that clip again, like he's sitting on that corner, he's waiting for Arquan to jump in there, and he was on it, Johnny on the spot. I mean, he picked up that ball and ran it to the house, um, and that was an awesome play because you know I think Sauce doesn't get, um, he obviously gets all the shine and like media and talk, but he doesn't really get a chance necessarily to um, show some of his skill and some of his awareness all the time because nobody really throws at him. Um, so that's another cool opportunity for a player of that caliber just to add something else, um, another clip to his arsenal that's just, you know, is going to be a huge, huge portfolio for when he goes into the NFL draft. Um, so that was a, that was a big positive for me. I did like seeing that. Um, other than that, I think he did a great job covering ECU. I mean, there was a lot of, um, points to talk about, but I think he pretty much covered anything. So there, everything. So there's not really much more for me to say. 
Um, we we're trying to keep this, you know, a little bit more of a tight package just because it is a bonus episode. But I did want to jump into as well with basketball. Uh, the Bearcats have suffered a second straight loss, um, which I think really is more of a self-defeated loss. Um, again, kind of the same thing with Arkansas. Um, there's some points where we really should have uh, taken advantage of our position in the game, and we didn't. Um, I think Arkansas really at the end, it was a little bit of a rough show. Um, there's some, you know, there's some points where it's like, you should just, you should be the one taking advantage and getting, um, getting into the necessary position for late game where you can hold that lead uh, versus with this game with Monmouth this week. Um, we played ourselves out of that game. Uh, if, if you guys want a quick recap on that, it was a 61 to 59 loss at home, which a home loss for the Bearcats is a pretty rare thing, especially in the more, uh, you know, pre-conference exhibition games where you're not playing against a team like, uh, you know, playing against Xavier, playing against those like top 25 teams. Usually you'd expect to roll through this. I think, you know, we were expecting probably to win this game by at least double digits. Um, so a bit of a surprise for the Bearcats for sure. Um, my biggest issue in this game was free throws and three point shots that, that got out of control. Um, to put it plainly, the Bearcats were 14% from the three. Uh, not a single Bearcat made more than one three. Um, Davenport was 0 for 6 from the three, which I thought was pretty uncharacteristic. Um, and then from the line, we were 45%. So between 14% from the line, 45%, or sorry, 45% from the line, and 14% from the three. Um, those numbers, unless you're shooting, you know, 53s in a game, you're, <laughs> I don't, I don't see how you could possibly win a game with those numbers. Um, and I think that just the stat sheet says enough um, without even having to look at how they played against that game. So Steve, I think you were actually there for that game. So in, from your in-person perspective, what do you think happened? Um, I think the, the the rebounding issues were present again. Uh, we were not getting we were getting beat on the glass, and I think we were either closer in the overall rebound category. But it seemed like Monmouth got a lot of uh, offensive rebounds. It seemed like Monmouth also had a lot of uh, cuts to the basket, and they were able to undercut our defenders to get easy buckets down low, which was a little bit disappointing after watching us shut down Kofi Coburn. Uh, for uh, like uh, the whole game, uh, the, at least the last 30 minutes of the game on Monday night. And I think it was also just, it was a weird admission from Wes in his post-game press conference to say that uh, he didn't see Monmouth play zone during the, uh, during their, on their film. And it was just weird for him to say that we didn't prepare for that, which I mean, I guess Thanksgiving, weird week, you get back home. Right kind of strange for sure but i thought it was a weird admission for it i also thought it was a strange admission that he didn't know how much time was left at the end of the game uh because he thought it was 0.1 instead of one second which i would have preferred you just get the ball into ddj's hands and put up a last second three because he was probably our silent best player of the game uh played pretty well was making a lot of shots a lot of tough shots too um but it looked a lot more like the mick cronin offense where we were like trying to get the ball inside or trying to find our best shot. And it was either just 
being taken by uh, Davenport, who is really just not on his game right now. He looked really bad uh, in the second half. He had a couple air balls. I just want him to get to the rim when like, yeah, I I don't want him to be shooting threes because he's okay at it, but I would rather him get to the rim, get to the line, you know, maybe get the and one. Yeah. Obviously we all say get to the rim, but it's harder than it looks of course, but right. we were getting calls yesterday. We only had nine total fouls for the entire game. And yeah. Monmouth was in the bonus with like six minutes left. And yeah. It was just, I thought it was strange that we weren't attacking. We didn't attack, go to the hole, fouls. Obviously, our free throw shooting is not great right now. But still, though, like, you give them more chances to shoot, you got to take those chances. I also didn't like that we uh, pulled a Game 7 Houston Rockets performance (laughs) out of our ass and went um, 0 for 14 to start the game from three-point land. And I understand new basketball. I understand how it's supposed to work, but just as a fan watching your team miss all those threes in a row and not get the rebound because they have to get back on defense. It's just so frustrating because I'm not, we're not, we don't have the luxury of the NBA where there's a game every other night. There's 82 games. We only have 30 games in a season and these games hold a lot more weight to us to possibly get in the tournament or, you know, have a chance to play in the postseason and to just see them, you know, miss shots is just frustrating. But at the end of the day, it's a two-point loss at home to a Monmouth team who is uh, in like the top 100 in Kempom. So yep. as long as they do what they do, it's not going to be a bad loss. And I, I kind of wonder if the guys were a little bit too high on themselves after playing so great yeah. this week in Kansas City and um Missing John Newman hurt as well. Uh, he yep. was in a suit and did not play. Uh, and uh, Mason Madsen started. Madsen is good on the defensive end, but his offensive numbers have not been the same this year. Yeah. Um, and I also think that this was the, the expectations definitely got raised really high after that Illinois game. Right. If we're being realistic as Cincinnati fans, we should have recognized that year one for a new basketball coach like we saw with Mick Cronin and John Brandon, it's not going to yep. be easy. It's There's yeah. going to be a long way to go, and those guys have to get their systems in and get like the players in and stuff. I think it was just we all wanted the return of good Cincinnati basketball so badly, yeah. and it was just kind of depressing to see what happened. And that wasn't great yesterday either. A Saturday after Thanksgiving is not a great time for a game, so like the scheduling department to figure that out. (laughs) But um, other than that, I I think uh, it was just one of those losses that you're just going to look back and be like, Oh, what? It was tough, but uh, we, we should have won it. We were up by 12, but it's a regular season loss. It doesn't kill you. Right. It doesn't kill you. Makes you stronger as the great Kelly Clarkson once said. (laughs) Yeah, and that one th- one other thing I really wanted to point out here too is um, it seems like, you know, kind of to your point, we did really get that first taste of that, you know, top 25-esque Bearcats team again. We got that taste against Illinois because, like, that was just an outright domination. And again, like you said, that that bar immediately got set so much higher than it ever was 
um, when when we first signed Wes. I mean, we expected with Wes, we're going to have some rocky games. We're going to have some up and down. You're going to have to drag him out. You might not come out on top. Um, and then as immediately after that Illinois win, we looked at Arkansas. We're like, who's that? You know, it's <laughs> it's like our, our opinion completely changed of this team really, really fast because we had dominated so far earlier in the year, but that was our first real opportunity to prove it um, against tougher competition, and we showed out. And I think ultimately a team that's going to really have to prove themselves throughout the season, a team that's really going to have to figure out what its characteristics are and what its identity is, um, that's that's going to have to happen over time. And it's not a thing that we immediately can identify uh, five, six, seven games in. Um, and I think we, as fans, got caught a little early uh, with our pants down <laughs> celebrating that win um, and not really looking at, um, you know, what some of our negatives are to still identify. And again, I'll say it time and again, I'm sick of the free throw issue with this school, man. <laughs> I, I really am. I've been so soured on it because we did play really well from the line uh, the past few games. Um, but it's a Bearcat thing, and I hate that, but I don't know how we solve that issue. I really don't know what it is. I mean, as a fan, it's so much easier to say, yeah, just make your free throws. But again, I'll, I, I will put this on my headstone when I die. They're called free throws for a reason. <laughs> it's, it's just a thing. You got to make them. You got to, those are the difference makers in a game like this where it's a two point game at the end. Nine for 20 from the line just isn't going to do it. Um, and especially when we're getting the calls, um, when we're getting those opportunities at the line, we just need to be able to convert them. Um, and we didn't. And I think shooting again, too, is it's a night to night thing. I think really on this game, like I said, we played ourselves out of it, but uh, kind of the point that you made, that uh, great point about the Rockets, there's, I don't believe in shooting out of a slump. I really don't. And I think that some people do. Um, but, you know, your volume shooters can't be doing, like, you have, if I'm looking at this stat sheet on the three, I'm seeing 0 for 6, 1 for 7, 1 for 6, 1 for 4, 1 for 4. 0 for 1. Of just the three-point shots, like, it's not happening. Just don't force it. Focus on what your identity is is as a team. We're not a three-point shooting team. We are a balanced offense. We have options, but don't force it. And I think ultimately that's what helped us, again, play ourselves out of this game. Um, We do have Miami this week. Um, we're not going to preview that quite yet because we do have an episode that we're going to be recording on Tuesday night after the college football playoff rankings come out where hopefully the Bearcats um, will still retain everything that we've got in the top four. Maybe we'll have a hopeful move up to three. Highly doubt it. Uh, you can't count anything against Alabama when they're in the top four and they don't lose, um, no matter how bad that win looks. <laughs> So, um, again, we'll, we'll preview Miami coming up this week, uh, those top four rankings as well. Um, and we'll have plenty of other things to talk about as well because things are constantly shifting in the world of college football and college basketball. But um, I think that covers just about everything we've got. Do you have any closing arguments for us, Steve? Uh, we did have Thanksgiving this week as well. 
Um, so why don't you give us um, what was your favorite part of Thanksgiving for you this year? Um, number one, uh, I tried stuffing again. Uh, stuffing is a really train. Uh, I was I was told it was it's called dressing when it's in the pan, but uh, yep. my Midwestern ass is just gonna call it stuffing and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I am a big fan of regular stuffing, but tried some stuffing recently with sausage in it. That is a yeah. game changer. So that was awesome. Um, you know, put gravy on everything on your plate. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm a pumpkin pie guy. Uh, I was dismayed at at least to learn that um, a Scott Van Pelt, one of the guys I like at ESPN, uh, he I listened to his podcast and he said this week that he hates pumpkin pie. And I'm like, <laughs> no, Scott, we were that hurts uh, we were, me. We were boys. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> just one more thing about the on the college football front. I think it's an so much better than the NFL. Uh, the product, especially like this weekend, yep. was awesome. And I just saw an NFL graphic that uh, was promoting Jets Texans today uh, as uh, an awesome <laughs> game, and I was like, "Okay, I'm just not there with NFL anymore. I'm there with college football. I, college football is just awesome to me, and just how much like this weekend meant to so many people, and how crazy it was. It was just awesome. And uh, one last point, Indiana." Uh, a little update on them. They lost yesterday in their rivalry game to Purdue yeah. in the season two and 10. Yeah. Not great, Bob. Uh, so <laughs> uh, news coming in this morning out of Bloomington that uh, Tom Allen took a pay cut for next year and they fired their offensive coordinator. So I'd really like to say thanks, but no thanks to Indiana for yep. uh, all the hype uh, for uh, in the preseason and then becoming one of the worst teams in football this year. So, uh, and I also saw that Indiana last year when they didn't get put in the Big Ten championship game, they uh, took the uh, the Big Ten logo off of their jerseys and helmets for their bowl game, uh, which they lost because they haven't won a bowl game since 1991, uh, and they went a clean 0 and 9 in Big Ten play this year. So. <sighs> That was probably a mistake. Yeah. It sounds like uh, it was a mistake. <laughs> so uh, I, it's just funny to me to see how, because I was at the Indiana game and people were excited. I was happy for them, you know, like you know, a good team in your life, especially when Indiana football has historically not been any good. Um, probably feels good to be a fan of a, a team, a good team for once in a while. And I know they were probably upset about the uc game but they're like ah, eh, we still got a chance for a great season hope gone yep. see you out of there um uh, and to all the rude fans i met on that day uh how you feeling now so yeah. uh, thanks no thanks to the indiana hoosiers on this sunday absolutely and i think you know that something is definitely wrong when you are still worse than rutgers <laughs> that really puts you at the bottom of the totem pole is if you can't even pull one over on Rutgers. So ultimately, um, I think that we had a great week this week overall. I think that there were some uh, also shout out to uh, Mario a Eugenio uh, uh, four star commit uh, for the 2022 class yes. highest rated defensive recruit ever in uh, program history. So that's great for us. Uh, Welcome, Super Mario. He put out a, a little <laughs> video of him completing the first level of uh, Super Mario with like the down the drive music in the background. So, yeah, 
the content guy. Welcome oh, yeah. Mario to Clifton. Absolutely. And I think that's a good way to wrap this one up. Uh, again, if you're not following us, make sure to follow us at Viva the Cats Pod on Twitter. Um, and then go ahead and follow us on our channels at Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And make sure to check out all our new episodes every Wednesday, this week being the oddball. Um, and enjoy this bonus episode as well. Hope that you did. And keep in tune for that episode next Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be a big shakeup in the top four. Uh, regardless, there'll be some moves, but we're looking forward to it. So take care. Have a safe few days. Until then, go Bearcats. Let's beat the crap out of Houston and have a good one. Bearcats. Sports Social Podcast Network.